It's Friday, August 4th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, a stat that I'm sure many of you don't need to hear or be reminded of, but there are, as UNICEF says, 153 million orphans. And right here in the United States, where we are recording this podcast, there are over 450 children in U.S. foster care. And and I just today want to remind us, it's not the responsibility of governments to care for children. It's not the responsibility of the elite. It's not even the the responsibility of good humanitarians, but it's the command that was given directly to God's redeemed and chosen people. You see, Deuteronomy 24, 17 through 22 tells us, as, as God tells his chosen people, the nation of Israel, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment and pledge, but you shall remember that you, you were a slave in Egypt. Egypt, and the Lord Yahweh, your God, redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, you shouldn't go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When when you beat your olive trees, you should not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When, When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, Therefore, I command you to do this. And, and then, of course, as, as we've talked about over the course of this podcast, James comes back in, in the first chapter of his book in verse 27 and reminds us that pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, beloved, because we are the Lord's people, it's our role to take care of the disenfranchised, of the, the poor, of the needy, of the orphan and the widow. And it's it's not the government's job because as the Lord's people, we failed in our role. The state had to take over. And, and, and because of that, I want you to know today, the government, the state is not the enemy. A lot of times we look at child protective services in the foster care system and, and we blame them for the epidemic of foster care. We, we look at the, the hardship right now of intercountry adoption and we point our finger at the Department of State and we said, well, if you were just doing your job, things would be a whole lot easier. The truth of the matter, beloved, is, is it was not God's ordained plan for children to be removed from their families. It was not God's ordained uh, uh, opportunity of the creation of this world and the creation of man that, that men, women, and children would die of starvation and die of preventable diseases and be ripped from their culture and their context. In God's ordained plan, in God's, in God's creation, before sin marred that creation— it was God's hope that children would be raised in their families, in their biological families. But because of this brokenness, because of the way that sin marred God's design, 
God made a way through his redeemed people to care for those who were disenfranchised, to care for those that were poor and needy and strangers and aliens and widows and orphans. And so today, I I just want us to know it's not the government's job and they're not the enemy. They picked up the pieces when God's redeemed people failed our role. We, uh, we, We subjected our role to the government. And so we, as God's people, as God's chosen people, must work to bridge the gap. We are the ones that that need to love on the state, that need to love on the Department of State, that need to love on our embassies and, and need to love on the people that are doing their jobs and care for them. We lost our opportunity to care directly for orphans and widows when we stopped caring for them and we looked inward. When when our churches and became more me-focused and consumer-centric, we stopped caring for the poor. We stopped caring for the needy. We stopped caring for the orphan. We stopped caring for the widows in our own families. And so the government had to pick up the role with, with government programs and, and with departments that, that had to be created to care for and, and to take care of the mechanism of child welfare. I, I recently, uh, Dr. Rick Morton and I had the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C., and during this meeting, we got to sit down with the, the director of child's issues for the Department of State, and one of the things we were just talking about is just this slowdown of international adoption, how it seems to be so much more laborious and, and a lot harder now for families to be able to adopt. And, and one of her analogies that I, I thought was so true is... As the Department of State, we, we see these kids and it's like they're trapped in a burning building and we have a fire hose in our hand. And at the same time, there's, there's all of these, these families and, and adoption service providers that are standing with fire hoses ready to go get the fire out at the building and rescue some kids that are burning in that building. But instead, the fire hoses are, are aimed at each other and they drop the fire hoses and start a fist fight on the sidewalk about whose method is best to rescue those children. Beloved, as God's redeemed people, let us not be the ones that start to throw stones at the way the State Department is, 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 is do, doing their job in, in caring for orphans and widows and doing their diplomacy. Let's be partners. Let's, let's, let's see how we can work together. Because the truth of the matter is, if the church globally was doing its job to care for the children that are in our midst and been displaced from their families, we wouldn't need intercountry adoption. Intercountry adoption is beautiful, and it can be a, an instrument of God's redemption, but it's not a right. It's not our rights as Americans to adopt kids from around the world. And, and certainly, if we would, would do things in a, in a humble way, then, then certainly, we may not have some of the difficulties that we have now. One of the big issues right now, the, one of the big reasons that we see inter-country adoption slowing down, and this is not just from the Department of State. I've seen this as I've traveled around the world and heard this from central authorities myself. Families that have adopted in the past have failed to comply with the post-placement requirements from their child's sending country, from, from the country their child was born in. And those countries are saying, well, we're not getting these reports that we've asked for, so why should we continue to make mechanisms and to continue to go forward with adoption. Families are, are disrupting once they get back to the United States and, 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 and disrupting their adoptions and, and rehoming their children. And, and at the end of the day, these countries are saying, we're not getting our reports. No, no one's telling us. 
And so certainly we need to we need to start to become a friend. We we look in foster care and we shake our fingers at social workers and and we say they're slow and they're inefficient and and these kids don't have a place to stay and permanence is not being achieved as quickly as possible. But but beloved, if we were doing our job and reaching into communities and helping families in need before the state ever had to intervene, the state's job would be a lot less easier and a lot more efficient. We don't need to demonize the state. We don't need to demonize the government. And, and even as families are adopting internationally, you know, one of the things we hear from our embassies and, and consulate officers is that sometimes American families can be some of the hardest to deal with when they get to the consulate and the embassy because they expect that they should get their visa within minutes, within hours. And they don't look at the protocol. And so I just want to, as we close today, give 10 practical steps for how we can engage the state, both the Department of State, both embassies and consulates, and the local state child protective services. 10 steps, 10 things and ways I believe as Christ followers, we should be engaging the state. Number one, pray. You know, let's pray for state workers. Let's pray for those that are working in our embassies around the world that have have truly uh, supplanted their life to go to another place, to be as a as a as an as an expatriate in another country working on behalf of their government. Let's let's pray for them. I'm not saying that they're always right. I'm not saying that everything they do is perfect. I'm not saying their intentions are always noble, but let's pray for them. Let's let's ask the Lord to to help them and to encourage them and to equip them. Number 2, send encouraging notes and thank you notes. When when a worker has done something well for you or helped your family, be it a child protective service worker or be it the Department of State or be it the, the USCIS or, or be it an embassy official, write them a thank you note. Send them an encouraging note. Thank them for what they've done for you, for your family, and for ultimately the children that you are seeking to protect. Number three, recognize the, the the demands of their job and ask how you can be helpful. You know, one of the greatest things we've seen here locally is when our families have gone to local child protective services and just said, what can we do to help? Not here's how your system is broken. Not here's what we think you need to do to make the system better. But how can we help you? Let's be humble and ask them how we can help. Number four, you know, if location permits, take them a meal. Show them some type of appreciation for the hard work that they're doing. And and if at all possible, help meet their physical needs. You know, another thing we saw here locally in Birmingham is on April 27th, several years ago, horrible tornadoes came through the, the Jefferson County, really all of central Alabama. And we saw churches pour out and go to Child Protective Services. And their question wasn't just how, just how can we help the foster children and families that have been affected by the tornado, but they looked at DHR, they looked at Child Protective Services and said, how can we help your families? Which one of your workers were affected by this tornado and how can we meet their needs? Let's remember that these workers are real people with real hurts and real needs and, and, and real lives. Let's, 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 let's appreciate them and take them a meal. Number five, be patient and understanding and try to see their view. Be patient and understanding. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Now, certainly in all of these, when, when there is corruption that's going on or when there is something that is, is ungodly that's going on or when, when there is 
obvious, just just someone that is trying to be be uh, difficult. You know, certainly we need to be loving, and, and we'll talk about that even with number ten. But but at the same time. Be patient, understanding, and try to see where they're coming from. You know, realize that that there are others that are being served by these workers, that there are other children that are being served by these workers. Number six, follow the rules of engagement. You know, if you are waiting to get a visa from a country on an international adoption, look at the rules of engagement. What are the time processes? What is the normal time period? How are you supposed to get your documents? Did you provide everything that you needed? If you're working here in the United States with foster care, are you making sure that you're following the rules, that you're getting the things to your worker that need to be gotten? Follow the rules of engagement. Let's be rule followers with the system and help them as much as possible. Number seven. Remember that God is sovereign and in control and preach this to yourself each and every day. Remind yourself of this, that God is sovereign, that God is in control. And this doesn't create apathy in us, right? God gives us a role to play and he asks us to advocate, right? But at the same time, we advocate and we have action in light and in view of a sovereign God that's in control. Number nine, remember that your case, or number eight, sorry, remember that your case isn't the only case and that you are setting a precedent for other children to either be helped or to be delayed. You know, remember that you don't have the only case. And so when you're being asked to do post placements every year for 18 years or until your child's 18 years old, and you're going, what in the world is this for? This is my child. This is legally my child. Remember that the chance for another child to be helped through intercountry adoption could depend on your complying with the rules, with your complying with what's being asked. Remember that when you're working in foster care and your worker is unavailable that day, there could be an emergency that she's working with on another child. Remember that when DOS is working with other governments and other other countries, that there are rules of engagement that they must follow. Remember that your case isn't the only one and that whatever you do, you're setting a precedent. Number nine, when you have to challenge the state authorities, when you have to challenge USCIS, just just be respectful and make sure you're being spirit-led. And again, remember that these are real people, real flesh and blood with real hurts and with real pains and that they have real families and, and, and real difficulties that are outside of their jobs. So be respectful. We're not saying don't ever challenge the government. We're not ever saying don't speak out against injustice. But what we're also saying is remember that these are people too, made in the image of God. And then last, uh, uh, remember right? That, that this is a system that still needs to be redeemed by God's grace. It's an imperfect system. And so be humble as we work in this system and, and be humble as we make suggestions for how the system could be better and do it in a spirit of partnership. And Lord, Lord willing, I pray that one day that the, the church of Christ could once again be able to do more in child welfare, to be able to, to be able to have avenues where we're able to do things so that these cases don't ever have to make it to government intervention. And so let's pray. Let's pray for a humble spirit. Let's pray for a resting on God's sovereignty. And let's pray for partnership with local government, with state government, with national government, and with governments around the world. Look 
today for a Defender Podcast Extra Edition as my friend, Dr. Rick Morton, hosts a discussion on how to advocate for your adopted and foster children in the school system. And certainly this is, is pertinent and timely as we get ready for the start of another school year. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.